welcome to episode 13 of Calder's Calling, AHL News Now's flagship podcast and your premier podcast destination for everything surrounding the American Hockey League. My name is Dina Weinheimer, and this week I am joined by Corey Swartz. Jay is unfortunately having some Wi-Fi issues, so is unable to join us, but also Coming on the show a little bit later is David Foote of the Belleville Senators. He'll be joining us to talk everything about their rise up the North Division standings to their all-star choices to a massive role change for Justin Peters. And like everything else, Corey, it all comes back to Hershey, a former Hershey goaltender making a name for himself in the Ottawa Belleville organization. So, no matter how much we try, it always comes back to the Hershey Bears. Anybody who's anybody is played in Hershey. That's the line. We we hold on to that line pretty good here. And it's always cool to see. He's a guy that's, you know, pretty well, like David was saying before we started recording earlier, that, you know, when they were in Hershey for the season opener, that, you know, during one of their skates, he said lots of Bears fans were, you know, coming up just to just into uh you know, see how he's doing and catch up with him and stuff like that. Bears fans remember. It's a, it's what makes the Hershey community so great is they they always, you know, you come to Hershey, you succeed, you are a hero for life there. So if you're treated that well, you can only imagine how well Mike Vecchioni gets treated scoring a Calder Cup winning goal in game seven in overtime. So it's a, it's a great little, you know, bit of trivia there. And it's something that we'll talk to him about later on in the show. Yeah, and I immediately flashback. I read that that name whenever the announcement was made. And again, we'll have a little bit more about this later on in the show. Um, but I immediately thought back to, we've talked about it so many times, the 2015-2016 Calder Cup Finals. I'm sitting down there in the uh, first row behind the bet, or behind the goal that Justin Peters was manning for overtime. So I got to watch a decent amount of very, very fine goaltending in that game. So, um, but before we really kick things off, I had to kind of bunny trail a little bit, but if you aren't already subscribed to us on YouTube or your favorite podcast platform, do it now, please right now. If you're currently watching on YouTube, please feel free to like share and definitely subscribe, put the bell on, come on. That way you can get every episode straight into your feed and get notified every time we launch a new episode. And also, as always, I'd like to say a very special thank you to our show sponsor, Document Doctors. When not on the ice, they can help you and your business optimize and increase your revenue and profits to a bigger slice. Check out documentdoctorsllc.com. And don't forget to mention that AHL News Now sent you to them. So like we do every week, we are going to start our show with some quick Hits just an overview of some of the bigger stories surrounding the American Hockey League. But actually, as we were preparing to start recording today, the American Hockey League announced um, the passing of Frank Torres, the vice president of business operation for the San Jose Barracuda. The Torres passed away on Monday after a brief illness at 38 years of age. Scott Housen. AHL President and Chief Executive Officer said that the entire American Hockey League is stunned and heartbroken over the passing of Frank Torres. Frank's passion and tireless dedication made our league better everywhere he worked in. 
In San Antonio, he was an essential member of Spurs Sports and Entertainment's AHL sales operations for 13 years. In Coachella Valley, he helped the Firebirds gain a foothold in the community during the lead-up to their inaugural season. And in San Jose, Frank was entrusted with the task of leading the Barracuda front office to a, into a new era as the organization opened TechCU Arena. We extend our deepest condolences to Frank's family, friends, and colleagues. End quote. And of course, on behalf of everybody at Calder's Calling and AHL News Now, we would also like to extend our deepest condolences um, to Frank's family, friends, everyone he's ever worked with or loved him. Um, yeah, just just some some sad news announced here on this Tuesday evening. Yeah, that was a really hard one to get prepared for coming on the show, as sad as it is. But like you said, you know, we're just thinking about everybody that, you know, he loves and he cares about. And we're just extending our, you know, deepest condolences to them. But uh, moving into some hockey related news, the Toronto Marlies signed forward Kiefer Bellows to an AHL contract for the remainder of the 2023-24 season. He was previously on a professional tryout agreement and had 26 points in 25 games. That's as impressive of an audition as I think you could possibly come across. But, Dina, you know if I'm going to say here, it either comes back to Hershey or it comes back to my other love, the Philadelphia Flyers, as he spent the previous season split between the Flyers and the Lehigh Valley Phantoms. You're just getting everybody, apparently. If it's not Hershey, it's Philly. It's okay. It's okay. It's it's all about that Pennsylvania sports connection, apparently. Exactly. A hundred percent. So we have a new Howie's Hockey Tape AHL Player of the Week. And for this week, it is Adam Scheel. So he he has been selected as that AHL player of the week for the period ending January 14th, 2024. If you're watching on YouTube, take a quick look here at one of these amazing saves against the Dallas stars and specifically Curtis McKenzie, a very skilled, very talented veteran here. So Adam Scheel making 56 saves on 58 shots to earn the Wolves a pair of wins over the Texas Stars. Now, uh, we're going to connect this to Cleveland and Ohio. Adam Scheel hailing from Lakewood, Ohio, just on the outskirts of Cleveland. And, you know, if, uh, you know, his play on ice wasn't enough, I just had to share this uh, with you too, uh, the Chicago Wolves posting that Adam Shield visiting a middle school on Tuesday, this past Tuesday to participate in their Read to Succeed program, sharing a message that reading is a fun and rewarding part of life. So just he's out in the community talking with the kids, taking pictures, reading with them, just all around great guy and the latest AHL player of the week. Extremely awesome. It's also incredibly difficult to do that solo. Usually you see players go in, you know, little groups and stuff like that. Not an easy task to kind of, you know, do that on your own, but that, you know, speaks volumes to him as a person and, you know, that he's a good guy and doing those kinds of outreach things for sure. But speaking of hockey, who doesn't like a little bit of outdoor hockey? I know, Dino, we're in the cool kids club. We can say that we've 
each experienced our own individual slice of AHL outdoor hockey over the years. But oh, yeah. we had one in a new venue this past weekend with the Charlotte Checkers hosting the Queen City Outdoor Classic, uh, defeating the Rochester Americans by a 5-2 to two count. We're seeing a couple shot. of clips from ice level now. Always fun to you know, see some of these clips here. One, one. A power play goal for the checkers here. They were actually trailing early in this game, but ended up coming back to kind of take this game here. A great look at the angle that, you know, you could see the, the look at it. So the, the venue they were taking this place on is the home of the Charlotte Knights, which is the triple a affiliate of the Chicago white Sox. crowd of 11,031. They said it was standing room only as I understood it. Um, based on the attendance there, clear skies and a temperature of 42 degrees Fahrenheit absolutely ideal for this game they were not freezing quite like the experience i had for both of the two outdoor games in hershey just the 12th outdoor game in ahl history which was a surprising and fun stat for me but there you're seeing a little bit of the fireworks show that took place um, at the end of the game here which is really cool it's a very great backdrop for this it's like a new year's celebration almost that's what that's the vibe i get from it is you know saying like hey this is this is like new year's uh, Christmas, like, you know, very festive. And, it, you know, the, the vibe is always great when it's, uh, you know, fresh off of a big 5-2 to win like that. Uh, but someone that's not experienced the home team winning an outdoor game so far in my, you know, two experiences there, um, you know, that makes a huge difference, I think, too, on how, you know, things are afterwards. But just looks like a great show there. I mean, Charlotte has a flair for the dramatic there. If you've seen games at Bojangles Coliseum before, um, you know, as well as I'm sure the Charlotte Knights, uh, you know, just a really great event, really great, you know, city, one that's really kind of taken a liking to hockey for the checkers there and all that sort of good stuff there. Lots of good there, I think, to see a good crowd and some some great hockey and, a, you know, overall great atmosphere for a game like that. What I love about that setup and that venue, though, is since it is a AAA baseball uh, stadium, it's a little bit more of a low profile so you did get that beautiful backdrop of the skyline and all that, along with the fireworks. I'm just glad that Charlotte won. No, you know, hatred or anything against Rochester, but it just wraps the story up so nicely with the fireworks and the fans in your home city. Just Amazing storyline. And speaking of storylines here, uh, we're going to go back here to the video. And if you didn't catch this uh, over the weekend, uh, Toronto Marlies forward Kyle Clifford and Belleville Senators forward Boko and Mama were each suspended three games for their actions in this game, in this clip that you're seeing here on January 12th. Now, the incident in question is a scrum in which Amama bumped into goaltender Dennis Hiddleby at the horn, prompting a reaction from several Marlies, Clifford most of all. So, yeah, you can see that bump right there. Marley's not taking kindly to that. And uh, Kyle Clifford and Boko getting in uh, in a little just just a little bit of a tussle there, but uh, both teams really just coming together to stick up for their guys. Yeah, a couple of suspensions doled out there to Clifford and Imama. I think both players got three games, but it's, it's yep. always interesting. You know, I don't think that, you know, if, if you're from a team who has a setup like this in their rink, not every team has a setup in which, you know, 
both their locker rooms are, you know, right there to go in and out of type of thing. At times you have to cross over. I know like Lehigh Valley is a great example where, you know, both teams, when they go to their respective ends to warm up, they have to cross over each other actually to get onto the ice. And you always wonder if, you know, just the wrong thing happens in one of those, it sets off a powder keg. And, you know, David's going to talk about this as well and speak to it that, you know, there's a lot of hostilities there. You know, those teams play each other a lot of times over the course of the regular season. You know, it, it's, it's a situation where, the littlest thing in this case, just the smallest of bumps on the goaltender there accidentally on purpose as it may or may not have been there, you know, <laughs> that's, that's going to prompt a reaction. And like you said, it was just, just a little bit of a kerfuffle there between two tough guys. They're two tough customers. And so the fans that came out to that game surely got their money's worth to see some extracurriculars there too. Always an essential part of every rivalry. So moving along from that one here, we have an affiliation extension to talk about here as well between uh, the Detroit Red Wings organization who signed a extension with the ECHL's Toledo Walleye for three more years. The two teams, um, you know, it, it continues basically a great partnership between the Red Wings, the Grand Rapids Griffins, and now the Toledo Walleye to kind of keep their you know, organizational structure intact for another couple of years. The Red Wings signed on with the Grand Rapids Griffins back on July 25th of 2022. So, you know, this kind of keeps that three pillars of their organization, you know, under contract for the next couple of years here. So one thing that really piqued my interest here, of course, you know, that prospect triangle in Southern Michigan, Northwest Ohio, got that nice little, you know, you have, Detroit here, you have Grand Rapids here, then you come down here to Toledo. You know, it's been working for the Grand Rapids Griffins and the Detroit Red Wings. Right now, the current head coach of the Grand Rapids Griffins was the head coach of the Toledo Walleye for the last few seasons, and now he got that promotion up. It's nice to keep all of your prospects right there in a nice little pocket of the country and yeah that's going very strong i think both teams are kind or all that whole pipeline is settled through i think the 26 27 season so now we're going to go ahead and move into the milestones so definitely milestone alert up starting with the rochester americans their head coach seth appert earning his 100th victory behind the bench of the Amherst last Friday in a three to two win over the Charlotte checkers. So in that back-to-back little mini series, the Amherst taking the first one, Charlotte getting the last laugh though, I guess, but Seth Appert is only just the seventh head coach all time to reach that mark. Wow. That's an interesting one. I would not have guessed that if that were a jeopardy question, I would have failed it, but same. Yeah, de- yeah, just just one of those ones you don't. I think it goes to show how underappreciated coaches can be sometimes. For sure. But we're going to go ahead and move on and talk about some uh, really amazing scoring in Toronto. Yeah, there's a lot of great scoring to talk about. Lots of goals, lots of stuff you're hearing if you're listening and watching on YouTube. 
Uh, Toronto Marley's Ryan Turberg. This past Friday, he celebrated not only his first career hat trick, but his first four-goal game. He also picked up an assist in the match, an 8 nothing win over Belleville. A lopsided score. And, you know, you could see there, it felt pretty good for him, I think. You know, anytime you get one goal, two goals. Hey, yo, your, your stick is just absolutely on fire. That's a great rip right there. A great set. You can see a great saucer pass, but it's a flat saucer pass. So he lands right to his stick, and, you know, you can see his eyes light up there. That's a great shot for him to have. Captures it. And Four goals, though. That's just at home. I mean, come on! Just a huge statement game for the for the young skater. I mean, look at this coming through. It's uh, perfect. One of the fun things about being a right-handed shooter, I feel like, is that you know, as a fellow right-handed shooter, when I play in my adult leagues and all that good stuff. Uh, whenever you get a shot like that, you saw a few of those goals. If you're watching, you know, if you're listening, you know, it's on his left wing side. It's, uh, you know, his, he's got a really great angle to get some great leverage on those shots. And, you know, as a, both a player and a fan, you know, watching those, those are very satisfying to watch. So transitioning from a lot of goals to a lot of saves, we're going to look real quick into the Central Division and giving some stick taps to Rockford netminder Mitchell Weeks, who collected his first American Hockey League shutout on Saturday, a 22-state performance for a 2-0 win against their rivals, the Grand Rapids Griffins. That's pretty awesome. And so for this one, Dina, I, I'm surprising you a little bit. I have a trio of uh, milestones to point out here. On Monday night, Wilkes-Barre Scranton's Vinny Hinestroza hit the 100 AHL point mark, which was a nice nod for him. And, of course, I didn't get to mark this in the script, so I wanted to say it anyhow. A couple of Hershey Bears-related milestones here. Ethan Frank, on the same day Monday, hit his 100th professional game, all of them being with the Bears. But the impressive part, he has now two all-star nods in 100 games of action, just to show you how, you know, how excellent he's been in a very short stretch of time. And the third one, and least, not, you know the best of both, I would say, is um, we just saw, I believe it was just yesterday as of recording this, is that a uh, big shout out of congratulations to a longtime South Carolina Stingray and current director of minor league operations for the Washington Capitals, Jason Fitzsimmons, on being inducted into the ECHL Hall of Fame. Now, Mr. Fitzsimmons is a longtime goaltender. He played for a number of different organizations, including the Stingrays. But he has a large hand alongside with, you know, uh, Bears vice president of hockey operations, Brian Helmer, in shaping the Bears and, you know, really working with the you know trajectory of the organization's youth. And it was really cool to see him get uh, get a nod of being inducted into the ECHL's Hall of Fame. So I had to share that one. I just was taking note of that before we got on the air here today. Nice. Congratulations. And while we're sharing a little bit of milestones for off ice. Uh, things we're going to extend a congratulations to the head equipment manager for the Providence Bruins, Anthony Pelliccioni, picking up his 500th professional game over the weekend. Now, you'll hear a little bit later on when we talk to David just the kind of work that these equipment guys put in, especially at the American Hockey League level. 500 games that is just a lot of work 
a lot of slinging bags, a lot of equipment to deal with. And he's done it for that long. Congratulations to him. Truly the unsung heroes and MVPs for all hockey teams are the equipment and the training staff that put in a lot of thankless hours behind the scenes and do a lot of thankless things. We don't get to see them all the time, you know, from the assists that you see equipment managers get handing the right sticks out to players in the event they break one type of thing. They just pointed that out on the, the Bears game I was covering yesterday where the Bears trainers have their hands on the sticks on the rack there, you know, for whoever has the puck or is, you know, taking a face off or whatever, just in case they break one, they are always there and they are always ready. So truly the unsung heroes in hockey. And I love it when that happens. And then the, you know, the player they handed a new stick to picks it up on the fly, goes and scores. And then, you know, of course the team or the league, whomever just shares a little clip of that from the bench and they get that recognition for the unofficial assist. And yeah, wait, I don't know how they do it. Just amazing work. So we're going to go ahead and pivot and we're going to look at our top two stars of the week. So Corey leading off with a nod in the central division. Yeah, a little outside of my wheelhouse today, but I had to point out Mark Jankowski of the Milwaukee Admirals. He's been crushing it lately. He has nine points in his last four games. And the craziest part about that stat line is that two of those games are four-point games for him, which is what's incredibly impressive. Now, everybody, I think, probably up and down the lineup for the Milwaukee Admirals had a great game against the Henderson Silver Knights just the other day. It was it was a rough game for the Silver Knights. Uh, they got blasted. I would actually have to go and look at what the final score was, but there there was a lot of goals. There was just a lot of goals, and you know not a lot that the Silver Knights could do about it, unfortunately. And Jankowski was a large part of that. He had two goals and two assists in that game, totally crushing it. And the the craziest part about me is I love being able to point this out is that it's no coincidence that his point total is leading you know, his team to success. The Milwaukee Admirals have leapt into first place in the central division, courtesy of uh, some struggles for the Texas stars of late. And, um, you know, let's not forget that Jankowski is now one of the AHL's point leaders with 35 points in 31 games. That's 10 goals and 25 assists. Um, He is now fourth overall in the league standings. That big last couple of games has a lot to do with that. Um, you know, just a huge part of the Milwaukee Admirals. So I don't think get enough credit as one of the top teams in the AHL right now on a heater as a few teams are right now in mid to late January here, always the best time to get hot going close to the all-star break. And really, as we start to hit that second half, it is a big tone setter for the rest of the season. All right. For my star of the week, I'm going to go off the beaten path by taking a beat path. So I'm going to award my star to a beat reporter for the Utica Comets, Ben Burnell. On X, he is BB underscore UR Sentinel. So Monday matinee game between the Utica Comets and the Syracuse Crunch. I'm at work kind of following along. I've followed him for a while. And this just made me laugh. So 920-ish remaining in the first period, Syracuse decides to pull the goalie for a six on three advantage. And then just reading this just made me laugh, just in all caps. Oh my God, G A W D. Syracuse pulls the goalie for a six on three advantage. Ryan Schmelzer says, Yeet, tie game. And then the very next 
host following up. Oh, good. This game's going to be stupid. Crunch scorer on a five on three. 817 left in the first. Crunch up three to two. I don't know. It just made me laugh so hard just seeing that in quick succession to each other while I'm on the struggle bus at work. And just, you know, I just have to say, Utica, what were you doing? Pulling a goalie with you're ahead. It's the first period. What happened here? I was asking the same question. I've never seen that where a team pulls a goaltender for a six. What did they think that they just couldn't possibly score a goal that way? Like it's not highly likely like that, but like, that's kind of like a, a karma thing almost where it's like, you know, you don't think you're going to score. Well here, we're going to show score on you on the silly backhand lob from, uh, you know, their own slot basically and have it, you know, hit almost dead center of the net there, but extremely rare. I confusing for Syracuse there. I'm not sure what they were doing by pulling their goaltender in that situation. So someone asked him, he's, they said, I don't understand why they pulled the goalie. That's wild. And Ben replied with galaxy brain thinking with a long five on three power play. And then the fan saying what a lot of us probably are thinking, assuming it's just another penalty being called. Didn't realize that, that it was a choice. And Ben just replies back. Nope. Joel Bouchard said Leroy Jenkins. (laughs) I don't know what he, (laughs) like how much caffeine he had before covering this game, but he was just like, the humor was at a 10 on this one. Another fan commenting, when you accidentally remove your goalie in NHL 24. Uh, A goal, that's silly. I think deserves a silly, silly tweet like that. You know, some levity type of thing for that situation. So I like it. I like it. That's a great one. All right, so those are our two stars of the week. And before we move on to our special guest, we do have a little bit more to share about our sponsor, Document Doctors. Is your business growing beyond the four walls of your office? As businesses grow, so do the challenges of keeping your people trained, safe, and supported. Document Doctors, a proud sponsor of the Calder's Calling podcast and AHL News Now, offers affordable solutions to help optimize your business and keep the good times rolling. They offer content-focused solutions such as training document creation, back office process optimization, policy and procedure development, and much more. Support our podcast and AHL News Now by visiting them at documentdoctorsllc.com. And don't forget to mention us when talking to their team of contentologists. And now we are proud to welcome David Foote from the Belleville Senators. So this week, we are proud to welcome David Foote to the Calder's Calling podcast. Now, David serves as the manager of broadcast and communications for the Belleville Senators and is also a member of the Senators broadcast team. Before joining the Belleville Senators, David provided play-by-play coverage for the Belleville Bulls, the Peterborough Peets, Trenton Goldhawks, and the Wellington Dukes. That on top of all of his work in radio newsrooms in Ontario, now he is joining us here at the Calder's Calling podcast. So David, thank you so much and welcome to the show. Yeah, absolutely, guys. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. 
Absolutely. Now, before we talk about some of the latest storylines surrounding the Belleville Senators, we actually want to get to learn more about you. So how did you get into broadcasting and specifically into hockey broadcasting? Yeah, I think I was one of those kids that it's always kind of been the goal to to call play by play. I kind of caught the bug when I was, you know, eight, nine, 10 years old. And then, uh, you know, used to mute the the PlayStation and, and kind of practice there. Um, it's just always kind of been what I've uh, what I've been after, what I've been been trying to do. And I've been fortunate enough to have the opportunities uh you know, come to me and, and be able to take advantage of them. So, um, you know, went to college in Belleville. Uh, I'm from Newmarket originally, which is, uh, uh, along with being the home of Connor McDavid, uh, just, you know, north of Newmar- north of Toronto, sorry, about 45 minutes. Um, so I moved out to Belleville for college, uh, ended up getting a job uh, with the college station after my first year, fell into a job in the, the radio newsroom at CJBQ and Quinny Broadcasting doing weekend news. Uh, they were carrying the OHL team at the time. Uh, one thing led to another, started doing the uh, OHL broadcasts on TV. And uh, that was right before I moved to Peterborough uh, to work with the Peets. Uh, things didn't work out there. Um, ended up getting laid off. The, you know, a, a bunch of stations got bought. It's a whole thing. Uh, but uh, the folks at Quinny Broadcasting <laughs> invited me back to Belleville. And um, I, I got back to town just in time for the AHL to roll into town, um, which was perfect timing for me. And, and it's been... Uh, basically just kind of plugging my way along, uh, you know, covering this team and um, just near the tail end of the pandemic, decided to jump ship, get out of uh, news and uh, join the front office full time. So uh, that that's the Coles Notes version uh, of, of the path, if you will. Nice. Whenever, whenever I was researching your background, just for a little introduction, I had a little uh, happy twinge in my heartstrings because I got my start in radio, in radio news. So it's like, oh, mm. there's that little bit of a shared background there. And it's it's funny how we get a start in the similar place, but yet the trajectories go two completely different ways. It was uh, one of those things in, in broadcast school, you know, when you're in there on the first day, they go, look, if you want to do sports, that's fine. But you're going to have to do a lot of news first uh, because those opportunities are few and far between. So a lot of early mornings, uh, a lot of, you know, unfortunately, grisly stories and, and, you know, all the things that come with working in a newsroom. But, um, you know, more than happy to have uh, jumped full time into hockey. Absolutely. Speaking of hockey, David, the Sens are on a really great stretch right now. They are on a seven game winning streak starting on December 22nd with a win against Toronto um, in at home against Belleville. Now it seems a little bit ironic that it came to a weekend, you know, an end over the weekend with a, a loss to those Toronto Marlies. Uh, what did you see over that stretch of time where they, you know, played exclusively these, you know, kind of high profile games against some Canadian teams that are, you know, all rivals and, you know, tend to have some bad blood between them. Yeah, I think we finished a stretch of nine games uh, just against Canadian opponents. Uh, we see the Marlies 10 times a year, uh, this season, uh, we see Laval 12 times a season, so uh, they get pretty familiar. I, I think the biggest thing for our team over you know the last nine, ten games has just been the consistency. Um, we haven't had as many recalls up and down as as we did through the first few weeks of the season. Um, for the most part, the team has been healthy. Uh, Roby Arbeni was injured recently, which is a huge loss uh, moving forward, and, and we'll see how the team can kind of recoup that loss uh, as as we move into the second half of the season but um yeah the consistency was the big thing and just the defensive structure uh, dave bell is 
uh, a defensive-minded coach, uh, being a defenseman in his playing career. Uh, he's, I think, finally got those systems that he wants played, implemented, and has the guys um, you know, following along and, and listening to the instructions. And most importantly, perhaps realizing that when you stick to the plan, um, the, the positive results will come, right? You can't just, you know, decide to change the way you're playing on one shift and, and see if that'll work. Uh, so the stick to itiveness has been really important. And kind of, as we were talking off air before we, we started going here, Corey, just the goaltending, um, the goaltending has been so, so good for Belleville of late. Um, Kevin Mandelaze kind of got out of his early season rut. Mad Sogard has been outstanding. Uh, all season long. And then uh, you've got a, a third guy like Levy Marilinen who comes up from the ECHL to pick up a win uh, on uh, the weekend and had won six straight games, I believe, with the Allen Americans and, and is just a really bright prospect in the net for Belleville. So, um, and for Ottawa, obviously. So the, the goaltending, the consistency, and I think just the commitment to defensive structure are probably the three big things that have led to the success. And some timely scoring obviously helps as well. Now, we're going to take a little bit of a wider picture view. Uh, this is a storyline that I've kind of been watching all season. It's just this steady rise from the Belleville Senators up the North Division standings. Now, in mid-November, they were, I forget what day I took that screenshot and was looking at, but it was around like November 18th, 19th, somewhere around in there. The Senators were in fifth place in the North with a 6-6-0-1 record, good for 13 points. Now, 38 games remain on their schedule they've moved up to third place but have a schedule of 18 12 2 and 2 good for 40 play 40 points i'm sorry just eight points back of first place cleveland so what is your take on this north division lineup and where the belleville senators fit into that i think right now they're they're right where they probably should be um this division uh, you know for as long as I can remember, for as long as I've been covering the league, has been extremely competitive. Uh, I mean, you're in the the Cleveland area, you know the Monsters have been, uh, you know, a, a strong uh, strong opposition. Toronto is always good. Um, Laval, the fan support is so rabid there that they can't afford to ice a losing team, basically. So they're always uh, a, a strong competitor. Uh, and then you've got. You know, the stalwart teams in, in this league like Syracuse and Rochester and, and Utica that um, have put together the formula year after year to put competitive teams on the ice. And uh, I think, you know, the way that this division flip-flops, not just from year to year, but throughout the course of the season, um, just shows how, how tight, how competitive it really is. And uh, I think all of the teams in the North put a roster together with the goal of, of winning the division because you have to, if, if you're not going to ice a competitive team, if you're not going to pick up those pieces that, um, you know, are going to make your team strong and tough to play against, you're going to have a really long year uh, playing in the North division. Uh, so I think right now, Belleville's right where they probably should be, uh, you know, a good mix of, of young stars and, and veteran presence as well. And, um, you know, save for maybe a, a couple of losses earlier on in the season, especially against Cleveland, I th things could, you know, look even more different than they do now. So uh, I think the Sens are, are right where they need to be. They're trending in the right direction, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what they can pull out in the second half of the uh, the season when we do play Syracuse more, and then we play basically all of our games against Rochester, and then I think we have Utica almost the whole season series in the next couple of months. So uh, a lot could change again, but I think uh, 
Belleville set itself up uh, pretty well here heading into the second half. David, I had to ask you on this one because I we talked about it a little bit, you know, before the show started. But there's some recent news in the Ottawa Senators organization uh, that they promoted uh, Justin Peters from Belleville to Ottawa. And I wanted to get your thoughts on it. It was a nice name to see pop up. Uh, former Hershey Bear, always loved to see it. He was integral on in getting the Bears to the Calder Cup Finals back in 2016. Now a goaltending coach in the organization. Uh, what are your thoughts on on his promotion there and how it affects? the goaltenders within the organization from top to bottom. I mean, I think it's a, a smart move by Steve Steos and, uh, and management up in, in Ottawa, because I mean, you talk about the pedigree that uh, Justin Peters brings uh, as a player, you know, he's, he's won at the Olympics. He's represented Canada. He's gone deep in, in the playoffs in, in the AHL. He's played a, a bunch of NHL games as well. Um, so this is the guy who's got the pedigree, the experience, the knowledge to, pass along to these young goaltenders and let alone, you know, how technically sound uh, he was as a player and, and now being able to kind of feed that to these young and up and coming goaltenders. I mean, we have the privilege or had, I should say, of, of watching uh, Justin Peters work with these goaltenders every morning. Uh, they're out there half an hour to 45 minutes before the rest of the team takes the ice for practice. Uh, he's a stickler to the details. Um, he He's you know, a student of the game in the sense that he's pretty analytical. Uh, the way that he scouts opposition goaltenders has been a huge benefit to um, the Belleville Sens and, and their offensive success, um, but also the way he scouts his own goaltenders. Like, he watches these guys so intently and, and will pick up on things that maybe some others might miss. Uh, he's, he's just a super smart dude, and in the, you know, four years, three and a half, I say, should say that uh, that he's been here coaching the American Hockey League. I think he's made some really big strides. And uh, I mean, you talk to any of the goalies that that work underneath him and and they'll just sing his praises as well. Uh, and, and they'll credit him for a lot of the success that they've been finding. So uh, yeah, he's just a great guy. It's, it's really well-deserved. And after Ben Sexton uh, graduated, if you will, from our coaching staff to Ottawa's, uh, it's really nice to see another, another coach go up and, and get that opportunity in the National Hockey League because he certainly deserves it. Now talking about accolades that are well-deserved, we're going to actually continue on with some news here. And we talked a little bit about this in last week's episode. So if you haven't listened to last week's episode and you're listening to this one, go ahead, go back um, and take a listen to it uh, where we focused mainly on the uh, awards or not the awards, but the skaters and the goalies that were named to this year's AHL All-Star Classic in San Jose, the Sens sending two players, Angus Crookshank and Max Gannett. So what can you tell us about these two and how they reacted to the news? Uh, well, Max is a pretty low-key guy. Um, I had an interview with him this week to kind of talk about the news, and, and it was audio only. And if you weren't, you know, if you didn't see his face, you'd probably think he didn't sound all that excited. Uh, but I know both of them are thrilled um, with the nominations. And uh, for for a guy like Max Gannett, who is basically unheralded in this league, right, um, you know, uh, has been in the AHL for a couple seasons now, kind of, you know, did get an NHL look uh, last season, but, you know, seventh round draft pick uh, to Ottawa in 2019 and has just kind of been building himself and his game and, and growing over these last couple of seasons here uh, as a member of the Belleville Senators. Um, 
it's it's well deserved for him. I mean, he's he's so steady. Uh, he's so smart. His passing is uh, extremely underrated. Uh, he leads our team in assists right now uh, with 18 at this point in the season. Um, he's just a heady guy, right? Uh, knows how to play at both ends of the rink as a defenseman, and that's you know not always the case. So um, for a guy like Max, I think it's just a really well deserved um, recognition for somebody who who frankly doesn't get a lot uh, of recognition uh, because of the type of game he plays. And for Angus Crookshank, um, you know, when I was kind of being asked to prognosticate who I thought would be named, he was right at the top of my list as well with with Roby Arbeni because, you know, he's that player that's uh, he's right on the cusp of uh, one really strong season in the AHL can be enough to get you that look in the NHL and that opportunity. And then it's how you, you know, take that opportunity and move forward with it. Uh, I like to use Drake Batherson as an example in our organization uh, spent a couple seasons here, you know, one full season and then an up and down season. And then the next season he was gone because he had learned everything he needed to learn, developed uh, how he needed to. And and now he's he's a star in the NHL for the Ottawa Senators. So um, Angus Crookshank just works so hard. He brings so much energy uh, and uh, he's not a bad little player either. You know, he's, he's not the biggest guy, but knows for the net, hungry and uh, definitely one of the nicest guys that uh, you'll meet or talk to. So. Um, I think our reaction uh, as an organization was uh, maybe a little bit more elated than those two because they're pretty down to earth guys and then they're not going to, you know, toot their own horns too, too much. But uh, it's really awesome for for both of them. And, and then for us as a, a club, it's really good to have two uh, representatives this year. It's the third season that uh, that's happened um, for us. And uh, I think based on the way this team has played, uh, that's well-deserved recognition as well. One more little uh, newsworthy piece I wanted to get your perspective on. There was uh, something that I think a few listeners might have heard was uh, the clash, you might say, when, uh, between the Toronto Marlies and the Belleville Senators the other day with Boko and Mama, and uh, I believe it was Kyle Clifford mm-hmm. uh, that you know kind of clashed at the end of the period there and had had a little bit of an altercation there. Suspensions were doled out just recently. Uh, what were your thoughts on what happened there and that reaction? It was it was immediate and fast, certainly. Yeah, well, I mean, like I said earlier, we play the Toronto Marlies 10 times a season. We've played them a dozen times a season for the last four seasons. Uh, it's It doesn't take much for, for tempers to flare. Uh, just for that alone, the rivalry, the Battle of Ontario is such a big thing, and uh, it really does trickle down from the NHL uh, to to these uh, two teams, they're they're not big fans of each other, um, and uh, I think you know last weekend, it, it, both teams were frustrated, right? I mean that's a game where uh, Belleville's come in and won seven in a row. Toronto has lost seven in a row. They are you know, you know, gasping for air, trying to figure out what's going on. Uh, you know, when you look at their roster, uh, to me, there's not much excuse for them to be in the bottom half of the divisional standings. Uh, so I think there was a lot of frustration on, on Toronto's side. And um, for Belleville, again, they had won seven games in a row. Things were not going great by the end of that second period. And and things tend to boil over. And you get a couple of tough guys, uh, tough, tough guys like Boku Imama and Kyle Clifford, both trying to do you know what they need to do in their roles um, as those type of players for their teams. And, you know, tempers flare, things are said. And uh, I think... I think what made that worse was just the timing, right? It wasn't a um, a fight that broke out in in the middle of a period, or you know, when we were in Winnipeg a week or two ago, Boku Amama had that fight with Tyrell Bauer that went viral on ESPN with 30 million views or something like that, uh, and and you know, 
there was a lot of respect between those two guys as again as fighters and as tough guys doing their jobs this was a little bit more emotional uh and and it kind of happened at the end of the period while the teams were swapping sides and um so I, I think if that's one thing I see a lot of the commenting about, you know, who left the bench first and blah, 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 blah. If that's just a matter of circumstance because of when the incident happened. Nobody jumped off the bench and attacked anybody. Uh, it was basically a skirmish that uh, that got out of hand because everybody was already on the ice trying to get to their dressing rooms. And uh, I think that the league obviously took that into account in, in doling out their punishments. So, um, yeah, I chalk it up to just the Battle of Ontario and, and tempers flaring and um, you know, a couple of, of tough guys out there just trying to do their jobs and, and get the edge for their team uh, any way they can. So I just have one more question just to kind of wrap this up. Now, you're taking time out of your evening on a travel day uh, for Belleville, but I'm just kind of curious as, you know, someone in your role, what does a travel day look like? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, depends on uh, where we're going. Um, we are two hours away. Like Toronto is our closest uh, opponent, if you will. So we're about two hours uh, to Toronto with no borders. So for Toronto, we'll travel the day of. We'll go, uh, you know, we'll leave at two o'clock in the afternoon, be down there for four sort of things so the guys can get ready. Um, Laval would be probably our next closest. It's about three and a half hours to the east. And still no border, but we do tend to go the day before when we're in Laval. Uh, in Utica right now, which is typically about a four-hour drive, I think it was four and a half or so getting down today with the weather. Um, and uh, so on a, on a trip like this where we're leaving at lunchtime, um, I'll be in the office and and uh, Alex Smith, our, our uh, digital marketing uh, coordinator who travels with us as well. Uh, we go into the office. We we work for four hours, cover practice. Uh, I recorded our team podcast this morning before we left, uh, for example, and then uh, just have everything kind of wrapped up and ready to go by the time the bus leaves. Uh, grab a sandwich and uh, and hop on the bus and a little bit more work. Um, usually a nap for me. I, I tend to, to pass out when we're on the bus just to make the time go by. And uh, when we arrive somewhere new, uh, typically, uh, Alex and I will both help the equipment staff with uh, unloading the bus, uh, getting the room set up, that sort of thing. Try to give those guys as much uh, assistance as, as we can because they work their tails off uh, all season long. Um, today, Angus Crookshank had an interview with uh, CBC Radio, so uh, I got to skip unpack, which was kind of nice, and uh, and help him uh, to coordinate that. Um, and then, yeah, after that, it's... Uh, uh, we got a game tomorrow, so we're back in the hotel room, uh, do some game prep, uh, try to find something for dinner, and 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 that'll be it. Um, that's basically your standard trip. And then, you know, um, sometimes it's, it's a little different. If you go in two days ahead, you'll have a full day off. Uh, like, we're going to go from Utica uh, straight to Laval after the game on Wednesday, and then we'll have an off day in Laval on Thursday. So a uh, chance to, I don't know, maybe go to the mall or, or do something. Um, last time we were in Laval, the Montreal Canadiens were playing the night before, so we were able to go to that game and, and nice. check it out. Yeah, it, it all just kind of depends on where and when and, and timing. But for the most part, it's a lot of sitting around the hotel room, uh, looking at stats and, and making sure we're ready to go for, for the next game uh, when it comes. Do you have a favorite city that you routinely get to visit? It's tough. I was telling you guys earlier, I really like Hershey. I don't get to spend a lot of time there, um, but I really like Hershey. Toronto's always nice because that's home for me. So I can have family oh, yeah. come down to the games and, you know, meet up with them before or after. Or if it works out, I'll drive 
to Toronto and I'll stay with my family after the game for a couple of days. Um, it's tough to beat the atmosphere in Laval. Uh, it's a really, you know, fantastic building. Uh, the fan base, as I mentioned earlier, is, is incredible. Uh, so always fun to be there. And um, I really like Syracuse. I think Syracuse is a bit of an underrated uh, spot. Um, you know, old rink, good character barn. Uh, I like the hotel. There's lots of good restaurants there. So uh, th- those are some of the favorites for sure. But uh, um, I'm just happy to be here. You know, I- I'm happy to be anywhere <laughs> doing doing this job and, and sure. uh, being able to follow this team. So uh, wherever wherever they take me, um, I'm, I'm happy to go. And, you know, uh, like next week we're in Grand Rapids. That'll be a first for me. So really excited uh, to see the Van Andel Arena and, um, you know, see what uh, – what goes on in Grand Rapids? I hear it's a pretty good spot itself. So, yeah, there's uh, there's a lot of hidden gems in this league, right? Um, I talk to people a lot about the uh, uh, the differences. Like one night we're in Toronto, we're playing at Scotiabank Arena on on Boxing Day at, day after Christmas, and it's an NHL building. There's twenty thousand seats, and then the next night we're back home in Belleville, where there's forty four hundred seats. And uh, I think that's one of the cooler parts about our league is just. Um, how different all of these cities are, and and you get a chance to see some places that uh, that maybe you wouldn't see if uh, if not for hockey. So, I've been to Grand Rapids, I probably three times, three or four times. Love Van Andel; the crowd is amazing, and it's just a nice little spot tucked tucked into downtown. So you'll have plenty yeah. of things to go see, plenty of places to go find some good food. Highly recommend it if people listening have never been, but. David, thank you so much for joining us tonight. If anyone would like to follow your your coverage um, on social media or listen to the podcast, where could they find you? Yeah, uh, the Belleville Sense podcast is uh, available on uh, most podcast platforms, uh, Apple, uh, uh, Spotify, that sort of thing. Um, you can follow the team, of course, on social media at Belleville Sends. Uh, I'm on socials at footy on the air, F-O-O-T-Y on the air. Um, and, uh, yeah, and all of our games are, uh, are live on the Belleville Sands Entertainment Network, something that we've, uh, you know, started ourselves in the last two seasons after, uh, you know, our partnership kind of dissolved with the, the local radio station. So I, I feel like that's going pretty strong. But, um, yeah, Belleville Sands Entertainment Network on, uh, on Mixler, uh, all of our stuff on, on YouTube. Uh, just type in Belleville Sands. You'll find it all. Perfect. David, thank you so much for your time and sharing all of this great insight with us and our listeners about the Bevel Senators. Yeah, absolutely. I love the American Hockey League. Uh, always happy to take the time for anyone who's taking their time to, to cover this league and, and to share the stories. So uh, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. And once again, many thanks to David Foote from the Belleville Senators for taking his time off again on a travel day, checking in from the hotel to uh to talk to us about that team and how they're doing but you guys sports betting has risen rapidly in popularity even including ranks like the american hockey league and of course having multiple sports book accounts is the simplest way to maximize your profits and there has never been a better time to sign up now, when you visit our page at signupexpert.com slash AHL, you'll be connected to all the sports books in your region, along with a review of each platform and its unique benefits. All of these sports books have valuable signup offers for brand new users. And when you register through our link, you will automatically receive the top offer at each sports book and casino. 
Of course, when you use multiple sports books, you're going to ensure that you can always access the best available odds, which is key if you're going to be a successful sports better. So if you want to take advantage of these benefits and to help support the Calder's Calling podcast, please consider signing up for your next sports book at signupexpert.com slash AHL. Important to note, you must be 21 or older. These offers are only valid in the U.S. states and the Canadian provinces where sports betting is legalized. Please gamble responsibly. Now, Corey, it is time that I turn the show over to you. What do you have for our listeners this week? I wanted to talk a little bit about the Atlantic Division and what I specifically call the Atlantic Division car pileup. So I talk about this seemingly every year, about how much of a close race the Atlantic Division seems to be almost essentially down to the end of the regular season. But I had a fun little connection I wanted to kind of use to frame it. I'm not sure. Hopefully the Venn diagram of people that watch hockey and play Nintendo Switch are, you know, one in the same here pretty much. But a game that I've been playing a lot recently that just feels like the Atlantic Division in a nutshell is called F-Zero 99. It's a free game you can download if you're you pay for nintendo switch online but it's it's a racing game a little different from the likes of mario kart a lot of the same principles apply but it's a survival racing game in which you you know you start with 99 people racing on a track and eventually you know through over the course of the race it kind of eliminates different amounts of racers and you know we also have the potential of burning out so there's this nice risk reward kind of structure of using you have an energy gauge which depletes whether you crash into the side or you know you bump into other racers you know things like that but you can also burn it to you know boost your vehicle and get a little bit extra boosts it's kind of like uh, nintendo's version of a you know formula one race or you know something along those lines and it reminds me so much of the atlantic division because you have a few teams here you know uh, essentially you know there's a high price to be gained here i mean obviously the hershey bears are that guy that knows all the corners, how to corner perfectly, use all of his boosts perfectly, has just the total setup. He's way out front there. It's not impossible to catch him, but, you know, how soon is it until you're starting to think about settling for second place? And second place in this case is a buy from the first round of the playoffs and, you know, some potential home ice when you do open up the playoffs here. But, it's curious to me because, you know, the, the gap from second place all the way down to sixth is only seven points. And, you know, for the team in seventh being the Charlotte Checkers and even the team in fourth, the Hartford Wolfpack, they have games in hand on almost all the leading teams here right now. So the field is still basically wide open to me. Even the Lehigh Valley Phantoms are not completely out of it yet. They still have a few games in hand only you know two points out of being out of the playoffs but the only team that seems to have burned out and you know crashed out so to speak uh is the Bridgeport Islanders who you know despite having a little maybe you know a couple games here I mean they did pull off a win yesterday against the Bears you know in a shootout of course um you know it, they're kind of in the least favorable position out of all of them with still time to go but um I find it interesting just how it seems like the Atlantic is always just a car pileup. Dina, we've been doing, you know, podcasts here for a little while now. You know, I've used the same terminology last year of a pileup. Oh, yeah. And it just amazes me that there's this kind of parody, right? Where, like, you know, no team's really out of it for too long. 
Uh, every game's important, e- even if you're the Bears. I mean, you know, they had such a great start. They've kind of, you know, hit a first little bit of adversity as Todd Nelson was kind of bracing for seemingly, um, you know, not impossible to catch them hard, but not impossible. Um, my thing is, you know, which team do you think has the moxie to, you know, maybe pull out of this and, you know, get that coveted home ice advantage, you know, some of those spoils uh, at this point in things? Because to me, it's kind of hard to see. Um, I would say the same thing. That it is so hard right now because one thing I've been kind of noticing about the Atlantic Division, of course, Hershey Bears excluded, is there's been a lot of ebbs and flows or roller coasters, whatever terminology you want, with this division. You know, there's been times that, you know, some teams have just been riding high. You know, of course, you have Providence Bruins that are on a 7 one streak, and then, you know, you have... Lehigh Valley Valley Phantoms on like a three game streak. And you never quite know like what you're going to get month to month with this division, but they're all consistent in that they stay close. So there's so much jockeying for position. Um, We might be able to answer that question in March, but the way that this has been going, I don't know if we can answer that question in March. I don't know. It's a tough thing. And like, there's, there's a couple of big games on tap too. Like the one I was kind of zeroing in in preparation for this segment was uh, Wednesday's tilt. So the day that this goes up, if you have AHL TV, it may be a good game to tune into is the Providence Bruins and the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins. These are two teams that bring point streaks of eight games for the Bruins and six games for the Penguins. It's number two versus number Mm -hmm. three for the Penguins. It's a chance to slip ahead and, you know, they would win the tiebreaker, I believe, you know, should they claim a victory in any kind to jump into second place. And that's a, you know, a reality that seemed to be almost unthinkable uh, a couple of months ago. I know I was up in Wilkes-Barre for one of the matchups with the Bears and, you know, talking with some of the fans up there and, you know, some of the great folks up there in Wilkes-Barre, you know, this is one where, you know, the, the vibe seemed to be pretty low. You know, they, it was that wild seven to five game. The bears kind of pulled out up top there. And, uh, you know, there were some people saying, yeah, you know, the penguins were up by a good lead after one. And, you know, some people said this, le- this lead's going to be gone in the second period. And it happened. And, you know, it seemed like they were, you know, feeling that it was maybe going to be not a great season there. And, you know, they've seemed to have turned it around really well up there so far. And it's Wilkes-Barre. I mean, you know, I think that they're very underrated in terms of their resilience up there. You know, they're never really out of it is Wilkes-Barre at any point. They're always a tough team, always play hard, you know, to the final buzzer type of thing. They're never a pushover in my opinion, at least. So, you know, that's one of the big surprises and even Providence, you know, had their fair share of struggles at a different point. And now these teams are on absolute heaters right now. You know, the two best streaks in the, Atlantic division right now. And, you know, it's only a shame that one of them, you know, be extremely fitting if it went past 60 minutes, just so that both of them could continue this point streak. And, you know, to their credit, you know, they're, they were, they were feeling the heat from the Hartford Wolfpack who are, you know, have got some wins. They've had a little bit of struggles here recently, but they have so many games in hand that can't help but be in the back of your mind here too. So I, I really think if you could just buy an Atlantic division package for the AHL uh, TV 
um, you know, setup there, you would get your money's worth because it's going to be just a great battle. I'm looking forward to seeing how it unfolds through the rest of the season. But as somebody, I was just playing it before I, you know, jumped on with you, Dina. I burned out my fair share of times in F Zero, <laughs> as well as one. I have won one singular race since that game came out in September. So you know, it's about finishing as high as you can, and you know managing your resources it's a little bit of a you know it's it's very similar to that style of game there and it's a really fun one to play out that game sounds way too stressful for me i'm a cozy gamer so i'm all into like the city skylines the animal crossings you know the uh espresso tycoon you know i loved that one here recently i that game would just be way too stressful for me i think Believe it or not, I play this other game called Splatoon 3. Maybe I'll work a way into um, working this into the Atlantic Division later on in the season. But there's this great mode that I play called Salmon Run, which is this cooperative thing. Anybody who's played that it, you know, can tell you how chaotic it can get. And there's some things where I sit back and I'm like, I play other games like Animal Crossing. You know, our, I think our interests align a little bit there. But I'm like, why do I play these games that stress me out? This is not supposed to be how it is, but it's the competitor and the hockey person in me, I suppose, that likes to compete with those things. So I think that's going to be our question this week for the audience. Take your favorite team and the division that they're in. Comment below or tweet us, post. I don't even know what it would even be called on X now. Um, at AHL News Now. Uh, and let us know what game you compare your team's division standings race to. Is it Animal Crossing? Nice and cozy. Is it, you know, kind of a F099 or a Mario Kart where it's just an absolute all out uh, sprint to the finish? Let us know. But that's going to be it for this week's edition of Calder's Calling. If you'd like to check out our written coverage of the AHL, please check us out online at ahlnewsnow.com. And you can follow us at all you know of your favorite social medias at AHL News Now. Please also subscribe and rate our podcast and share it with your friends, family, neighbors, anyone that you think that would like hockey um, and podcasting about the American Hockey League. And finally, we'd like to extend two special final thank yous to our sponsor, Document Doctors, and also to David Foote. Until next week, we hope that your team wins, and we will see you next Wednesday. Bye. <laughs>